The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, June 15th, 2020. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. women's rights and the contributions that she has made. Today we'll be talking about the documentary, a.k.a. Jane Roe, the story of Norma McCovey, who was the woman involved in the Roe versus Wade decision, which gave women freedom to choice, freedom of choice to have an illegal abortion. And you know, I just want to address this really quickly. Legal abortion, you know, oftentimes we think of abortion or some of the some of the rhetoric that goes on of late is that we're killing a baby. You know, I got involved uh, with marching for the right for choice, the right for abortion women way back before it even became law. And what in, how, why I got involved was is because I had a wonderful aunt. She had three children, and her husband had a nervous breakdown. And lo and behold, she found herself pregnant. And for some reason, she came to me because I tend to be the type of person that knows a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And we arranged to have an abortion. It was horrendous. It was a backstreet abortion. We went to this home. We didn't know who it was. And we got little instruction. And we got home, and my aunt seemed fine. And then all of a sudden, she went into labor. And all of a sudden, she miscarried. And all of a sudden, well, she didn't quite miscarriage. All of a sudden, she just started bleeding profusely. And we called the emergency room. And the the woman on the phone said, it sounds like an abortion. If she comes down, we're going to have to try to save the baby. And we just didn't know what to do. And so we hung up the phone, ready to take her to the hospital. She finally aborted. We took her to the hospital for a DNC. And I could not believe the rigmarole that went on when we got to the hospital. My aunt was just traumatized. And after that happened, and then when all of a sudden you heard women's rights, people starting to speak out about this very important issue, particularly about all these back, because women are going to find a way. If they want to, they're going to find a way. And wealthy women, I know, have always had uh, an opportunity to have that happen. But when we're going to find a way, and oftentimes it was these backstreet abortions, well, luckily, my aunt survived. But she never was quite the same after that, you know. It was always a very, very troublesome, very nervous after that. And I was nervous, too. I mean, I almost lost my aunt. So I became a real advocate, and I start marching. I start marching, and I, and I had no thought in my mind that I was killing anything. I was just making a choice. So we have to think about that, you know. I mean, there's so many children in the world. I mean, now there's a struggle for women to have birth control. I mean, that doesn't make sense. You know, one of the things we have 
have to do, particularly with all the climate change that is happening and people that are migrating, we have to have some form of birth control. So there's a lot to think about. And I know when I have my conversation with Gloria Aldred, I know that we're going to cover some very interesting facts around this very controversial issue. Amazing. It's been going on for years and years and years. And the whole idea of, of, uh, of AKA Jane Roe, I mean, it's just amazing what happened. It's an amazing story. And you can see the documentary on, on, on YouTube, I believe. Anyway, I have one announcement to make. Netflix. Pardon? Oh, no, it's uh, on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Uh huh. You can see uh, Roe versus, uh, Excuse me. It's called uh, AKA Jane Rowe. Uh, you can see it on Hulu if you have that uh, program. Anyway, I do have one announcement. Uh, coming up is the 50th anniversary of the Juneteenth Festival, a celebration of freedom, diversity, and inclusion. I mean, it's really, really wonderful. You know, every year, this is the 50th year, every year we have gone out to Martin Luther King Park in uh, Santa Rosa, and we have celebrated Juneteenth. We've had, you know, bands and lunch and all kinds of barbecue and all kinds of wonderful things. But now that we're in a pandemic, well, this year is going to be different. The organizers decided to do a Zoom celebration that will feature an opening prayer, singers, a bit of history, speakers, and music. There will also be a presentation of two scholarships to students that will be presented by Entrepreneurs of Tomorrow for the event. The festival will take place on Zoom that Saturday, June 20th from 1 to 3.30. If you want to attend, you can contact our board president, Nancy Rogers, at nr 0 at AOL.com and she will give you the needed codes. Or you can go to www.sonomacountyjuneteenth.com, sign up, and they will send you the information. And I signed up. It's very simple. Just go to www.sonomacountyjuneteenth.com and just sign up. And remember, all the information that I'm giving you right now is actually going to be on our website at www.womenspaces.com. This is going to be an exciting presentation. And I thought I would give you just a little bit of background on what Juneteenth is all about. Juneteenth is the oldest known celebration commemorating the ending of slavery in the United States, dating back to 1865. It was on June 19th that the Union shoulders, led by Major General Gordon Granger, landed at Galveston, Texas, with news that the war had ended and that the enslaved were now free. Note, This was two and a half years after President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, which had become official January 1st, 1863. Now, the history of Juneteenth here in Santa Rosa and and, and all over Northern California now, they're going to be celebrating. Juneteenth in Santa Rosa grew out of the Martin Luther King Festival that began in the spring of 1970. It was started by students and faculty of Santa Rosa Junior College, Sonoma State University, along with community members. Shortly after Dr. King's birthday, 
it became it became a holiday in January of 1983. The committee changed the name to Martin Luther King Juneteenth. And also, we want to give credit to the original Juneteenth Festival in Santa Rosa was organized in 1954 by Mrs. Martell Perry. And if you want to find out anything about Martell Perry, uh, read the Sonoma County Gazette Santa Rosa snippets, and you'll find I put a little uh, article in her in there about her. Well, lots going on in this world, and I just wanted to make one comment. Uh, God, we've been isolated for so long, you know, and, and right now there's so many issues going on. We've got the pandemic, we got police violence, we got all this protest going on. And it's very difficult, I mean, at least for me, sometimes to just have a clear head. And what I've decided is that this is an opportunity for me to learn how to totally just let go you know, I have no control over anything that's happening. All I can do, I can come on the radio, encourage people to support people that are out there protesting, to listen to what they're having to say, and try not to have some heavy-duty judgments on them. But it's 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 a real volatile time. And the most important thing, you know, right now they're telling us there's a spike around the uh, around the virus, and that is very very concerning to me. And the most important thing is, is to make sure, make sure that when you go out, you wear a mask, make sure that you wash your hands, you know, make sure that you have social distancing. You know, if you're going to be protesting, make sure that you're conscious of that, you know, because otherwise, I mean, we're, we're in more and more of a mess as time goes on, and we have to be much more responsible. And, you know, Ken and I go for a walk every day, and one of the things that we have been noticing, we've been noticing that people are not wearing masks. And this is very problematic to us. So it's important that you wear a mask. It's important that you wash your hands. And it's important that you do social distancing. And remember, when you take care of yourself, you're taking care of your friends. You're taking care of other people because you're not helping to spread this horrible, horrible virus that's that's just wreaking the whole the whole planet. So we have to be mindful. I mean, that's a good word, mindful. You know, and it's very interesting. People are screaming that they're losing their freedom. They have no idea what losing their freedom really means. It's just amazing. Well, anyway, we are going to take a musical break. And the song I'm going to be playing is Yes, We Can Can, sung by the Pointer Sisters. And, you know... One of the things that is so interesting about this song, Yes, We Can Can, I want to really dedicate this to Gloria Allred. Why do I want to, why do I want to dedicate it to her? Why do I want to dedicate it to her? Because she is a Yes, We Can Can woman. And when we return, oh, a little bit of information. Bonnie Pointer, one of the founding members of Oakland's phenomenally successful Pointy Sisters vocal group, died Monday morning, June 8th. She was 69. Her sister Anita, another founding member of the Grammy-winning R&B Dispo Pop Act, confirmed her death in a statement uh, obtained by uh, 
by Variety, our condolences to the family. And de- I am dedicating to this song, not only to Gloria Allrud, because she's definitely a yes, we can, can person. I'm also dedicating this to all the people who are out there protesting, speaking their truth, and rising up and becoming change makers. When we return, I will be talking to women rights attorney Gloria Allred, who had the courage to rise up, speak out, and defend women and their rights for decades. We will be talking about the documentary, a.k.a. Jane Roe. For you, so let's go ahead, Ken. Let's listen to Yes, We Can, Ken, and then we'll be back with Gloria Allred. Yes, we can, can, if only we believe we can, and we're willing to stand up. Well, for you just joining us, you are listening to KBBF 89.1 FM, Calistoga, Santa Rosa. I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of KBBF, its board of directors, its members, or women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest, uh, women's rights attorney, Gloria Allred. Welcome, Gloria. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Elaine. It's a great pleasure to be with you, especially today when the United States Supreme Court has issued a landmark, very, very significant ruling uh, in the area of uh, protecting 
employment rights uh, and rights against discrimination against uh, LGBTQ individuals. Uh, I have been fighting, and my law firm has been representing individuals for more than 40 years, fighting the good fight against discrimination in employment and also in other areas uh, on account of uh, the an individual's sexual orientation because they're a lesbian or gay or transgender. And uh, after 40 years now, we're seeing this huge step forward uh, for the protection and the vindication of the rights of this much discriminated against community. And I, I'm just so happy about the U.S. Supreme Court decision and just so proud of the LGBTQ community for always standing up for equal rights. Well, congratulations. You know, I don't know if you heard the beginning. We played the song, Yes, We Can Can, and I dedicated to you as a can-can woman. So <laughs> congratulations to you. And also congratulations on 2019. You were inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. Thank wow. you so much for mentioning that. I was completely honored, and I was inducted along with U.S. Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Oh, my God. Uh, and some other incredible women, and it was just a great honor. And, and especially, by the way, uh, they only do this every other year, uh, so it will not be done this year. But this is the, it was in Seneca Falls, New York, which was where, in 1848, women first organized to demand the right to vote for women, suffrage to demand the, the addition of the 19th Amendment to the United States Constitution in which women would be afforded and would win the right to vote. It finally, after from 1848 to 1920, when they fought for that right, finally in 1920, 100 years ago this year, uh, finally we won the right to vote. I always say one because nobody ever gave women the right to vote. Nobody's ever given us anything. That's a and wonderful point. we had point. to fight to win it for 72 years. This year is the 100th anniversary. Everybody needs to mark this year by especially being committed not only to going out to vote, but getting their friends and family members and coworkers and others to vote in what surely will be the most important election well, of our lifetime to date. Well, you know, Gloria, I have to say, I just love your passion. And once again, congratulations. I mean, I think, I think the honor was, I mean, so deserved. So thank you so thank much. Thank you. Just congratulations. You know, before we start, I mean, I would like to tell our listeners just a little bit about you. I mean, you have quite a resume. So I'm, I'm trying to get in everything <laughs> that I can. And then if there's anything else that I left out, okay. please feel free. Uh, Gloria Alderas was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She earned her B.A. with honors in English from the University of Pennsylvania. She earned her master's degree from New York University and her, her J.D. cum laude from Loyola University School of Law in Los Angeles. She was also awarded an honorary J.D. from the University of West Los Angeles School of Law. Wow. Ms. Aldred is founding member of the law firm Aldred, Marco, and Goldberg, A.M.N.G. Her firm handles 
more women's rights cases than any other private for, uh, firm in the nation and has won hundreds of millions of dollars for victims. And we have certainly watched that, Gloria. Ms. Aldred also founded and is currently president of the Women Equal Rights Legal Defense and, and Education Fund. In 2017, Netflix allowed, uh, announced seeing uh, Allred, an original documentary. And I have to tell my listeners something. I just watched that documentary for the third time, and I'll tell you something. I'm still blown away that you accomplished as much as you have. Uh, in addition to being attorney, Ms. Aldred holds California life credentials in secondary school education and supervision. And also, uh, she is the author of Fight Back and Win, uh, My 30 Oh, my goodness, 30-year fight against injustice and how you can win your own battles. Inducted into the National Women's Hall, and she was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 2019. And once again, congratulations. Is there Thank anything... Thank you so much, and I do hope, of course, my documentary, Seeing All Red, uh, about my decades-long fight for women's rights, coming up now at 45 years uh, of this battle, uh, and then uh, it's still streaming on Netflix, so I hope that those who have not had a chance to see it will have an opportunity to view it. Uh, it was an official selection of the Sundance Film Festival, and we were honored to be the official selection because uh, there were more than 2,000 documentaries competing for that official selection honor, and they only chose 16 out of the 2,000, and we were fortunate to be one of the 16. So... It's all good, and hopefully it will inspire women and empower women and also minorities to stand up and fight back and win the respect, the dignity, and the rights and the justice that they so richly deserve. Well, you know, it was interesting watching it the third time. And when I all of a sudden I realized, I says, my God, this woman is not just an, an attorney. She's an activist. I mean, you're right. out there organizing, getting, you know, I mean, it was just, I mean, some of the things that you have done in the, and the film, like you said, one of the things that it does, it is inspiring because you've taken some pretty big risk and you end up winning. So congratulations again. Well, thank you. Well, we've got to speak truth to power. Exactly. And women's voices need to be heard. And, you know, some people think the Me Too movement just started a few years ago with a hashtag on the Internet. We've been doing this for, as I say, almost 45 years, making sure that women's voices were heard. And when women have been able to voice the injustices against them, which, of course, they don't need to do in every case, some many cases are settled confidentially, but for those who choose to do it, it has helped to win, to bring change because unless the you know there is a climate of opinion which is created which is supportive of change and the public understands the injustices against women then there'll be no change but now i mean just like in the movement for justice for african americans uh you know there is a lot of understanding now uh, by brave African-Americans who said, look at the injustices against us. They're killing us with police brutality and excessive force. That has spurred a movement for change. So we're all about change. The status quo does not uh, favor women. We still do not enjoy the passage of the Equal Rights Amendment to the United States Constitution. We are still concerned about uh, preserving and protecting our right to choose legal, safe, affordable, available abortion. We still have a long way to go as women uh, to be first-class citizens in this country and enjoy equal protection under the law. 
And that's why we're going to continue to fight these battles and win. Well, let's start our conversation to help get some inspiration going for the women listening because I know I know we have a uh, I actually sent out announcements on this interview so I know we have quite a few people listening. So let's start out by talking about what made you decide to become a women's rights attorney and what what were some of your challenges and above all where do you get your tenacity and your courage to speak out? Well, um I be- I, I I began in the 1970s and I felt that I had a duty to give back. I felt privileged to become an attorney. There were very few women attorneys at that time in the 70s. Uh, now there's significantly more. And uh, I just felt that since I was privileged and blessed to become an attorney, uh, my parents only had an eighth grade education and, you know, to be able to get there, uh, I wanted to be able to give back and pass it on. So I decided I would take a few women's rights cases. And also I volunteered at the National Organization for Women. I uh, became uh, the president of the Los Angeles chapter of the National Organization for Women. And as I listened to women, I saw that the need was huge and there were very few attorneys doing it. And so I said, okay, well, I will do some cases. And I had no idea that 44-some years later there would still be such a need to continue this battle for equal rights for women. And but we're uh, I have wonderful partners, other attorneys. We have a, a, a license, in Calif- license in California and New York and Washington D.C. I'm doing cases there. Uh, I am doing cases all over the country with other wonderful attorneys. So uh, it, there's just a need. I don't feel that I have a right to say no. Uh, we take as many good cases as we can. Can't take every case. But we want to help women who are brave enough, who are courageous enough to say, I'm not going to stand for this anymore. I want accountability uh, for the wrongdoers from the businesses who hurt me, from government, from the individuals who have taken advantage of me. I, I want to do something about it. And so we're privileged to be able to be there to support them and help them uh, assert and win their rights. Simple as that. Where do I get my tenacity and courage? Well, the answer to that, Elaine, is there is a great cost in doing nothing. There is a great cost in letting fear paralyze you into doing nothing. Sexual predators, for example, they want women to be afraid to, to assert their rights. And But when women break out of that fear, and of course there are costs in breaking out of their fear, but there are also costs in not breaking out of it, uh, then, you know, we want to equalize the power of women with those who have hurt them and so that's what we continue to do i have a passion for justice and i will continue to fight the good fight with those who feel that they want to fight it and um i will be supporting these brave women for as long as god gives me this gift of life and i will continue to do so from the great beyond if there is one even you know even at that time uh, so, but I, I am blessed with good health. I'm blessed with other attorneys who we have a great legal team in our office. Uh, and all right, Morocco and Goldberg. Right now, we're just fighting so many battles in, in the courts, for example. We are representing 11 victims of Jeffrey Epstein, um, and three in, who were underage when they were sex trafficked to Jeffrey Epstein. Um, and we are fighting those cases in the courts in New York. Uh, and now eight more. Also, there's a new claims process 
actually just been announced today. Uh, and so we are representing altogether now 11 victims in the claims process. And that claims process, even though Jeffrey Epstein is deceased, is going to be a confidential process. And we are representing victims, even if they already had a settlement when Jeffrey Epstein was alive for what he did to them, even if it, it might be considered too late as a matter of law to file a lawsuit and proceed with the lawsuit because it might have happened to them decades ago that he hurt them. This claims process is now open to all of them. It's completely confidential. When people speak with us, it's completely confidential. It doesn't go anywhere. And so we're fighting that fight. We're also uh, representing victims of Harvey Weinstein, uh, representing you know uh, victims of Cuba Gooding Jr., uh, of R. Kelly, uh, and uh, Bill Cosby, so many victims, and, and and of people you've never heard of, because it's not about just the rich and the powerful and famous that we fight against, Elaine. There are people who are powerful in, a, you know, a woman's life who nobody ever heard of. Maybe, maybe their father has sexually abused them, maybe uh, when they were children, or maybe it was a stepfather, an uncle, a minister, a priest, a rabbi. Uh, maybe it was a coach. Uh, had you know maybe it was a teacher, a school administrator. We do all of that to fight against sex abuse uh, and also employment discrimination. And and you know it's just a, an honor to be able to support those who who want to stand up for their rights. There's no point in having rights if you're not going to know about them and if you're not going to use them to assert well, as, uh, you know as your far- rights when it's timely to do so. As far as rights go, you did an amazing thing, and that was the statute of limitations that you had. You made it possible that women can file, even though they've gone beyond that. Can you talk a little bit about that? How did that work? Well, I mean, the statute of limitations is an arbitrary time period set by law uh, for in, during which a person must file a lawsuit or file with the police. Uh, if they wish to have a case pursued. Now, it's different in every state. Uh, It's different if it's adult victims of child sexual abuse or adult victims of adult abuse. And different for criminal, different for civil. But we decided there were so many victims of Bill Cosby who were alleging that he had hurt them and, and sexually assaulted them. And for many of them, it was too late, and you'll see them in the in the Netflix documentary, uh, seeing all red. It was too late for them, essentially, to do anything in the legal process. So we went to the legislature in California, and in Nevada, in Colorado. We testified to change the law to extend that arbitrary time period or eliminate it. And we were successful in our efforts in California, in Colorado, in Nevada. Now this concept of eliminating or changing the statute of limitations has caught fire in many other states. So, for example, in New York, where I say I also practice, um, you know, there, the law has been extended uh, for adult victims of child sexual abuse. And soon also there is an effort to change the law for expand the time period for filing civil cases for adult victims of adult abuse. So, you know, this has been an effort. I give so much credit to the victims who were brave enough to go and testify before the legislature, as I did uh, in many states. 
they turned, you know, I said, you know, you take a lemon and make lemonade. They took this lemon of being barred by the time period set by law. And they said, you know what, there's no time period, there's no statute of limitations on my free speech. I'm going to go testify. And they did, and they and and we were all successful in changing the law. We could not have done it without them, and uh, I'm just proud of all of those and all those who continue to fight to expand the rights and access to the courts for victims of sexual predators. That just gives us a small idea of why you were inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. <laughs> My goodness. Well, let's go on. We're going to today's show is when I when I contacted you. And oh, I I just want you to know it's such an honor to interview you on on Friday, May 22nd, 2020. There was an article in the Sonoma Go section of our local paper, uh, the uh, Press Democrat Journey of Jane Roe. And that was the first time that I ever caught wind that anything was happening, you know, that this even happened. I mean, when I read the story, I went what you know i was just i was just i was just shocked and so when i listened to the film you know as someone like myself i mean i'm like i'm kind of like you you know i've been an activist for a long time knowing all about the abortion rights and all the different things that went on in the 60s and the 70s i was just shocked so if you don't mind for today's show you know i invited you to talk about your thoughts and feelings about that documentary aka jane uh, jane doe the story of norma mccovey can you talk a little bit if, if you're comfortable with it and how you met her and what your involvement was and what was your feeling when you found out about this documentary that you, i know you were a part of it and so what what was going through your mind when you found yeah that that's out? an fx documentary um i think it was also uh now showing i think like, right Demand, I think, on Hulu. Yeah, it's on Hulu, right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Norma McCorvey, also known as Jane Roe, was the actual Jane Roe of the United States Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade. Uh, and, of course, Jane Roe was, you know, the the, the legal uh, name for her, but her actual name, uh, you know, that's, so she could be anonymous in that lawsuit. Uh, but... You know, I met her at a women's rights protest after Roe v. Wade, the 1973 U.S. Supreme Court decision, in which the U.S. Supreme Court decided that, uh, you know, that abortion is a constitutional right, that a woman has the right to liberty, that a woman has the right to privacy, and a right uh, at certain stages of her pregnancy to legal, safe uh, abortions, and that a state may not criminalize it as many states were doing prior to 1973. And that was an extremely significant decision. I myself, before 1973, had to have an abortion when it was illegal for a woman to have one when I was in my 20s. And um, and that meant that we had to go to unlicensed health care providers because doctors were not allowed to do abortions. And that meant that we're talking about people who would do a back alley abortion in a bathtub, for example, oh. where I was left to hemorrhage and almost died that happened, uh, from but- an illegal abortion, but then went to the hospital. I'm saying this because people need to know the significance of when states were thinking they had the right to criminalize abortion to place women's lives in health at risk and many died from illegal abortion at the beginning at the beginning of the show i told the story of my aunt exactly exactly what you described happened to my aunt yeah so this is significant so 
uh, anyway, back to Jane Rose. So after the decision, and for a number of years, she felt that she was being ignored by the women's rights movement. She wasn't being asked. She felt to do interviews and so forth. She ended up at a big women's rights rally in Washington, D.C., and somehow, you know, I met her there. I was just in the crowd, and I don't know, someone brought her up to introduce her to me. And I asked her, are you speaking at the rally? And she said no, and she hadn't been invited to speak, and then she told me that they didn't want, you know, she wasn't being invited. I I was astounded. And um, anyway, uh, somehow we kind of, you know, decided to work together. And she came to California. We had an event. You'll see this in the Jane Roe documentary. And, you know, I started to help her to be able to speak out about her support for choice. We had a very positive relationship, actually, all of her life. This, you know, went on for some years. At some point, she decided to go to the anti-choice side of it. But we still maintained a very positive, uh, actually, relationship, and she continued to communicate with me. Of course, I would never say what she said, because that's a attorney-client privilege relationship. But she always spoke in a very positive way about me publicly. And she knew that, look, I stand for choice. So even if it's a choice to decide I don't stand for choice, I'm against choice. Uh, you know, this is, I have to support a woman's right to decide where she stands on this issue. I did always feel that, you know, that she was being compensated by the uh, anti-choice movement. And I did feel that that was an extremely important motivation for her to continue to take the anti-choice side. And sure enough, she makes a deathbed confession on this, essentially, on this in this documentary, that she really was just doing this. She was paid a lot of money by the, you know, anti-choice activists, the so-called anti-abortion, they're anti-choice activists, more than $400,000 over a significant period of time. And that's not, I mean, she wasn't paid by the pro-choice movement. And so she turned, in the documentary, she essentially says that she has always been pro-choice, of course, and that that's a decision for a woman to make. So, look, I don't criticize her. Her life was hard. It was difficult. She had a lot of financial challenges as well as other challenges. She did what she did. Um, and uh, she's gone now. She's no longer alive, but Roe v. Wade is still the law of the land. Well, let me ask you a question. You know, what impact do you think, when she started to go to the pro-life, what impact do you think that had on the on the abortion movement? Because there's so much rigmarole going on, even to, to this day. I mean, we're looking at the Supreme Court now. You know, everybody's frightened that it might be overturned. What do you think the impact was when she went that direction? And what do you feel the impact's going to be by this confession? All of a sudden, here, this, this iconic person who has been a spokesperson for years and, and have motivated the pro-life group how is that how do you think that will change things you think there'll be a more of an opening or more of a, a thought or they'll just say well you know she did it and then that's the end of it by the way of course you know you have every right to call them pro-life i don't call them pro-life i call them mand- the mandatory motherhood group <laughs> uh, and the anti-choice group and the group that thinks that uh you know that a fertilized egg should have more rights than an adult woman uh to choose whether or not 
happen, you know, to have an abortion. So I love uh, that man. man they're anti-choice, <laughs> but moving on. Uh, what impact did it have? To answer your question, look, there were a lot of people who were very disappointed when she began to speak out against a woman's right to choose uh, legal abortion. Uh, and but I'm very ha- happy that she made this deathbed confession. Um, and you know, I, as I say, I, it, it's in a way important, and it's not of legal significance at all. But, you know, they've lost, the anti-choice people have lost their trophy, uh, which they paid for, and um, they'll never have that kind of trophy again. Well, I might add, there's a very important U.S. Supreme Court decision, which will soon come down uh, this month, about uh, the right to choose abortion, and the burdens, and the obstacles, uh, and the uh, attempts by some states to con- they, who continue to try to restrict a woman's right to choose abortion. So we'll all have to watch out for that. Uh, the uh, Jane Roe, Norma Corvey is gone, but the battle continues. Well, you know, I really appreciate, I really appreciate your over, you know, your view on that. And we're going to take a little musical break, and I'm going to give you on the on the second half. When I watch on the second half of our interview, and again. Gloria, thank you so much for spending time, I mean, and bringing your wisdom here to Northern California. I mean, it's just... Well, my pleasure. I love Northern California. I'm looking forward to the day when I can get on a flight and come back there. Well, you can always... Well, we we have an extra bedroom. You're always welcome. Anyway, (laughs) what what I'd like you to think about, one of the things that came across when I watched, like I said, I watched uh, Seeing All Red three times, the third time, and all of a sudden you made this statement, and I want you to think about uh, that... Women are in a battleground, in war. That It's a war on women. So think about that. When we come back, we're going to listen to a song called I Believe I Can Fly, sung by Etta James. And this song made me think of all of us and the struggle we have to become ourselves and speak out. And I want to dedicate this to you, Gloria, because, you know, I believe that you, you know, you have vision and you follow your vision. And that, that is so important for women to understand that, that sometimes when you get an idea or you have a vision, you know, don't be afraid to kind of step out there and start working with it. And I hope, I hope this song kind of gives people a little bit of an uplifting and, like I said, said this is this is for you and then when we come back we will continue our conversation with Gloria Allred women's rights attorney if I can see it and that's the way I am like about anything if I can see it I can do it Good flag. 
goodness, that song is just wonderful. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And with me on the phone is a woman that I just admire. I can't, I can't even express it how much uh, women rights activist Gloria Allred. Welcome back again, Gloria. Thank you so much. How did you like that song? Love it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, just it's just when I listen to it, I, and I after seeing the the film again, I thought this is perfect. Anyway, I'd like to talk a little bit about the documentary, like I said, which I watched for the third time. Seeing Aldred, it's very very clever title, and I encourage my listeners to watch it. It's on Netflix, and it's an amazing. I mean, if you're out there trying to make some changes and you want some confidence, listen to it. It'll really it'll uplift you and give you a little bit more courage. And in the documentary. You you begin by saying there's a war against women. What did you mean by that? And do you see some improvement now? Are we still struggling and going nuts around it? You know, it's so interesting because that you asked that because uh, the producer directors, Sophie, uh, and um, you know, the, uh, many members of actually of the production team asked me, "What do you mean about a war against women?" They didn't understand it. And uh, and then, of course, we saw what Donald Trump has said about women, what he's alleged to have done to women, uh, how he has hurt women's rights, and uh, and then many decisions of courts that have hurt women. And then Sophie Sartain, uh, our wonderful uh, producer, said, you know what, Gloria, now I understand what you mean by the war against women. <laughs> So, yes, there is a battle to uh, prevent us from uh, winning our rights, and also there are efforts to take away and scale back any rights that we have won. So, for example, in the abortion area. So, 
we need to uh, continue this battle. Uh, it, it's it's a battle in the court of public opinion where women are denigrated and there are all kinds of derogatory, sexist statements made about them every day. Uh, and, and but also in terms of rights, which is what I'm so interested in, because I'm all about justice for women. And without, as we always say, without justice, there'll be no peace, and there should be no peace until we are able to win the rights that of equal rights that we deserve to have. I know it's amazing when you think about such a struggle for equal rights. I mean, it, it, it's mind-boggling to me. I just watched, I don't know if you watched the film Mrs. America. I did. Oh. I knew Phyllis Schlafly. Oh. Um, I, she actually mentioned, she's no longer alive, but uh, when one of her books, she mentioned me. And in an interview, she mentioned me. And, um, and I did debate her about the Equal Rights Amendment at a certain point. And, uh, you know, when there were a lot of debates in the late 70s, early 80s, and she was a leading person at that time, spokesperson against the passage of the Equal Rights Amendment, as you'll see in Mrs. America. Uh, and I was one of the leading people uh, speaking in support of the Equal Rights Amendment. Uh, they did not show me in that film because they documented a different era, different time period with her. Um, and I think to some extent it was also kind of a fictionalization of what happened. Um, but they, they documented something, I think, in the early 70s, this time period at that point. For whatever reason, that's what they took. But, um, yes, uh, it's, it's an important film as well uh, to see some of the early beginnings of, you know, the women's rights movement. Let me ask you a question, it, just to, because right now, especially with Black Lives Matter and everything that's going on, I felt on some levels, and I don't know if you agree or disagree, when they sold the piece around Shirley Chisholm, I was actually surprised at what happened. You know, the fact that uh, Gloria Steinman had made this uh, deal with McGovern, he was going to bring uh, abortion to the floor if, as long as he had the women's uh, support, which he thought he was getting, and then all of a sudden Betty Ferdan just changed her mind and decided to support McGovern and was not supporting uh, Chisholm. I, that, that, I, that was real confusing to me. I, I didn't quite understand that. And I, I thought in my own mind, if I were there, I would have said, no, we got to get some of the delegates so we can have a little bit more clout. Did you get that feeling? or was You it- know, I, I, look, Gloria Steinem has been one of the great leaders and heroes of the women's rights movement. I, I know Gloria uh, and I actually, she and I did an interview earlier uh, this year that was published in the, one of the British newspapers, uh, and a uh, conversation between her and me. And she's just a shero of mine. And but all I can say is I wasn't there for that, you know, those political decisions. And I can't, I can't really comment on why anyone made the decision they did. And I'm not going to second guess him. Yeah, but it was, it, it was interesting. She's been a fabulous leader consistently for many, many decades, Gloria Steinem. Oh well, she was so disappointed in the film when when all of a sudden that came down. I mean, that was that was. But but they still got it. Roe versus Wade passed, and so it's a, it's it's an amazing history. Well, well my, yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, speaking of de- delegates, 
my first uh, time at a convention, I think, was in the 70s, a Democratic National Convention, and I was one of the few women delegates. And I spoke up at a hearing at the uh, at the Democratic National Convention, and I spoke. I, I said we need to have an equal number of female delegates as well as we have male delegates in the Democratic <laughs> National Conventions because there weren't enough women at that time. Uh, and I will say, ultimately, that did pass. And today, and for a number of years, we have a mandate that there have to be an equal number of female delegates as well as male delegates at the Democratic National Convention. Well, thank you for that one, because that is so important. Well, we're coming to the end of our segment, and the last question, that I, I have two questions more for you. The one question I have, if there is a woman out there listening that would like to pursue a career in law, what do you recommend to her? I mean, you went from being a teacher, which is so interesting, mm-hmm. went from being a teacher to being uh, a lawyer. So what would you tell that woman? What What is some advice that you would give her? I would say there are many, many opportunities for women lawyers today. And so go to law school. Uh, in many law schools, there are, I mean, about ha- half or more of all of the students uh, are women. Uh but there's still a lot of challenges in the profession. I represent a lot of women lawyers who have been denied partnerships in the law firms that they have worked for. And so there's still a lot of discrimination. There's still a lot of sexual harassment, which is a barrier to the enjoyment of equal opportunity for women lawyers. Having said all that, uh, you know, do it. We need you, and we need you in the area of women's rights. There are not enough lawyers today uh, doing these cases on behalf of women who've been victims of injustice, and we need you in the profession, so just go and do it, and you will find you'll be able to have many clients who need you, and you'll be able to fight for them and, and win for them and help to improve the condition and status of women and minorities in this country. Well, thank you for that. Well, we're coming to the end, like I said. Is there anything that you're working on particularly now? Any last words that you'd like to say? Any website you'd like people? How can they, can they get a hold of you? Do you have a website? What? Anything? Absolutely. Everybody should just go to GloriaAllRed.com, uh, and there they'll find out how to contact me. Uh, they can do it on the Internet. We're happy to speak with them. Uh, there, it, there's no charge. It's a free confidential com- consultation. And if we can't help them, we will try to refer them to who may, but we will try to see if it's something that we can help with. And they can also see on my webpage, beside my Facebook page, they'll be able to see uh, my statements to the media, uh, videos, and other information about their rights, because we do have a lot of information to help people to know their rights. And then once they know them, then we will do everything that we can do legally if it's within our area of expertise and timely to help them to fight back and win. Well, what is there anything in particular that you're working on now that you're excited about? Or I am actually, uh, I'm working on a lot of things, but I'm very excited about the new claims process for Jeffrey Epstein victims so that they'll go, they're going to be able to get some form of justice. Of course, we know that Jeffrey Epstein either committed suicide or he was a victim of homicide in jail. 
many of these victims have lived in fear because he was powerful and they never got any kind of justice at all. And now they'll be able to get some form of compensation uh, in the new claims process. And we're excited about representing many of those victims and getting them as much compensation as is possible given the facts and given the law in their case, no matter when they were victimized. So, yes, I'm very excited about that. We're also going to have some very interesting cases coming up in the public uh, domain in in the near future, and you'll hear more about that uh, because victims in all areas now are standing up and fighting back. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm looking forward to being on your show again, Elaine. Keep up uh, your, you know, the good fight and your program to help women to know uh, that they have support from others, including you and uh, me and many others whom I'm sure are, are going to be guests on your program. Well, Gloria, I'll read thank you from the bottom of my heart for being such a wonderful, wonderful wonderful guest. And to my listeners, a reminder, Gloria Allred is a women's rights activist and attorney. And thank you so much once again for being on Women's Spaces. Thank you. Look forward to speaking with you again. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Gloria. Okay, bye-bye. A reminder, tell your friends. Oh, God, I'm telling you, folks, I this was one of the most exciting interviews I've done in a long time. I love Gloria Allred, okay? Thank you so much, attorney and women rights activist Gloria Allred, for being such a great guest. Allred is the founding partner of the law firm Allred, Melko, and Goldberg. Her, fa- her firm handles more women rights cases than any other private firm in the nation. And thank you, thank you again. And she is also the founded and founder and currently president of the Women's Equal Right Legal Defense and Education. Fun. Reminder, tell your friends Women's Spaces will be aired again at 11 p.m. this evening. I'm so excited I get to listen to my own program. Remember, the children are our future, and we must never lose sight of that. This is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, June 15th, 2020.